Good afternoon and welcome to the Auto Retail Network Business Briefing in partnership with Auto Trader. Uh, I'm Al Clark and thank you very much for taking time to join us uh, here in the studio for the next 40 minutes as we look at the first quarter and forward into 2023. Getting a handle on the reality of the car market is, uh, well, somewhat similar to trying to understand your teenager's school exam results. It can be a good or a bad picture depending on whether you're talking to your child or the teacher. In the car market, we're seeing new car registrations up, but retail sales down. Some used cars are making good money, others seemingly used EVs less so. How ironic that post-Dieselgate, we're seeing used petrol and diesel cars selling on average in less than 30 days, whilst electric vehicles taking 50 days on average to sell. After sales uh, is under pressure, of course, after three years of a limited supply of new cars coming into the market, and there's still a shortage of technicians to manage the work that is coming in. So a complex picture and plenty to talk about. Uh, we'll be digging into the issues with our panel here in the studio and through your questions and comments. Please do uh, feel free to send them in. You can type them uh, in the chat box here on the webinar or uh, Tristan, uh, our editor today, is keeping an eye on hashtag ARNLive if you're watching on Twitter. So here in Manchester, uh, on my left, your right, we have George Ashford, who's the CEO of Inchcape Retail. Uh, we have Nathan Tomlinson, the owner of Devonshire Motors, who's uh, driven up from the southwest today. Uh, Mike Jones, a uh, familiar figure, returning to our webinar, the director of Fresh Tracks. And Mark Palmer, welcome back, the manufacturer and agency director uh, of Auto Trader. So let's take a dipstick, first of all, into the new car market to start with. George, um, is the market returning to pre-pandemic normality or is that just a hope? Um, so supply has definitely um, opened up, uh, freed up, I would say. Um, it's a long way off being anywhere near where it was pre-pandemic. I think most uh, observers are calling a market of about 1.9 million, so clearly well behind the sort of 2.5 million that we've uh, enjoyed pre-pandemic, but there's no doubt the supply is freeing up um, compared to uh, the last couple of years. I think in terms of whether it'll ever get back to the two and a half million, I think that's a, a question um, uh, of appetite for the OEMs and whether they really want to go back to a volume, a volume market or more of a more of a sort of uh, balanced supply demand demand market. Supply opening up, is that a euphemism for stock on the ground? Are, are we seeing, are we back to those days of forced registrations yet? Not, not, not across the brands that we, that we represent, no. no. And what about uh, con consumer demand against that supply? Is, is that coming back? So look, I think that's a really uh, interesting question, isn't it? Because like you say, the market at first sight at the end of February is up, whatever it is, 20% on, on prior year. But when you look at it, that it's 17% in retail behind 2019. So that pure, genuine consumer demand still seems to be relatively weak compared to those, to those days. What we're seeing is a big fleet market, motability coming back, demo coming back. So um, I think in terms of pure retail demand, it's, it's um, flat on last year behind 2019, clearly. Uh, I think some of the fleet momentum is just is back orders as well. So it's still a mixed picture in terms of really getting a fix on what genuine demand levels are or sustainable demand levels are. Okay, I mean that's a big that's a big PLC view. Nathan, um, 
Devonshire Motors, Southwest Group, remind us which brands uh, you look after and, and, and how, how it's moving from your perspective. So we represent Hyundai and also Isuzu. Um, from our perspective, things are certainly more familiar and comfortable in March. Um, we've got more stock around us, better availability of stock. Um, there's also a, a better understanding from a consumer perspective in terms of waiting list, and, that, and that's balanced quite nicely for us. Um, there are a couple of different perspectives on, on March for me. Um, number one being the pipeline scenario. So last year we sold cars on a six-month, nine-month waiting list. Um, it's interesting to see how that's landing in quarter one as, as circumstances have changed for, for many people. So it's a case of managing that scenario. Um, and the other thing that I would caution in general is to look back and for anybody to think that normality um, it is, it's almost a misuse of the word normality. I think what's gone before has probably gone for good. We won't see um, you know, a large stock holding of vehicles in the UK. Um, I think what we're dealing with today is probably transitional as well. Um, so from our point of view, there's, there's a certain comfort around the way quarter one of March is, is working at the moment, but I don't think it's anything like normality. Sorry, so you're saying waiting this were six to nine for somebody um, over the last year or two, and that's now come down to three to six. But, yeah, but because people are used to waiting, that's not an issue for them. It's a nice balance at the moment. I think people are used to waiting and the news is a little bit better than, that, than they were previously used to. Okay, so that's new. Let, let's take a look at um, used car market. Mark, obviously, you know, your view across through, through Auto Trader. Tell us about the big picture. What is it? Because there, are, there seem to be different trends inside that. Yeah, if we take the, the same themes, actually, looking at new and, and, and used, you know, supply and demand and pricing and so on. So <clears throat> we've seen a really strong start to the year in demand for used cars. Absolutely, you know, well ahead of even the last year. So, you know, for the last few years, we've talked quite a lot about demand being strong and, and so on, even in the context of what we've, what we've seen with, with um, household um, finances and so on and so forth. So March, just, just now, is 20% up year on year in um, audience figures on the platform. So miles ahead of where, when we go back to sort of 2019 levels, miles ahead of that um, and even ahead of where it was last year. So the, um, the demand picture is really, really very strong. Then where are, where are we on supply? And we know, don't we, that supply is going to be under pressure because of the stuff you just talked about, George, because of the, the pause in new car registrations, the, the loss of two and a half million new car sales. Nought to five year market this year, we think is going to be about 27% down in, in supply terms. So you've got this, this big push on uh, demand. We're going to have this supply thing with us for another few years yet, easily. Um, and, and to that point, will new cars come back in the volume? It did probably not. So that's the order of things. And then, of course, what's happening there is you've got the impact on, on pricing. And we've had a couple of years where, you know, we were talking a year ago, weren't we, about 32% year on year price increases, like for like. That's tailed off and stabilised um, to sort of 1%, 2% in Jan, Feb. And in March now, we've seen it tick up again. So prices have started to increase year on year. And that's unusual, actually, because seasonally, March always slightly behind February. Pre-pandemic, it was 0.4 back on the February prices, retail prices. So far in March, it's 0.7 up. So we've seen all of those three things point to a really healthy start to 2023 in the used market. So that's, a, that's an overall, but what about um, breaking some of that down in terms of the mix 
um, between the different fuel types? Because that's how we seem to look at cars these days, isn't it? it, it what, what are the trends in, against those three, say, you know, pure battery electric versus uh, diesel and petrol? Yeah, so there is strength, obviously, in petrol and diesel. Um, and that hasn't ever really, you know, they've been running really hot for, for a few years. Electric was doing the same thing. And obviously the news for the last sort of few months has been that electric prices have been falling. They have been actually for six months retail pricing. We've seen that in the guides as well, in the forecasts. Um, so electric prices are down about 13% year on year. So there, ha there has been a drop. Now, the interesting thing in that is that the dynamics within electric aren't the same as they are for the wider market. What we've got is demand up. The demand for electric cars is up about 50% year on year. Oh, that's right. The thing is, we've got a supply increase of 260%. So it's incorrect to say demand is down. It isn't keeping up with supply. So, and, and actually, even within that, it's not the same for everybody or for every model. You've got some models that are strong where that, there's much more of a balance. And somewhere, because of the immaturity of the electric market, we've had more supply than the market can take. And that's where the pricing is, um, is under pressure. Funny enough, life is more complicated than the headlines might suggest, isn't that, isn't that the way it is? If you've got comments um, or points you'd like to make uh, with us today, please just type in to the webinar uh, or use the hashtag ARNLive. We've touched on uh, new, we've touched on EVs, we've, we'll, we've more to go with that, and then also into after sales. But Nathan, just reflecting on what Mark said there about the complexity of, of, of the used market, what are customers coming in to buy? What are they asking for when they're coming into your business? Still predominantly um, either a PHEV or a BEV solution. I think customers, consumers now are very forward focused and they're thinking ahead. Um, you know, it, it was interesting to listen to, to Mark's commentary there. We, we certainly haven't seen any tailing off or tapering off of inquiries. There's still strong demand. Um, I think you've also got to bear in mind that um, any product that's new to market is going to experience volatility and it's going to react more strongly to um, news feed. And if you take a 25, you know, something like a, a Ford Fiesta, it's, it's a consistent product. It's been around for a long time. The price volatility isn't the same as a new product um, that people don't understand. That, you know, that, so the EV, I think the EV thing can be, there's a lot of distortion and noise um, but as far as we're concerned, the inquiry level and, and, and consumer appetite for that product is, is, is consistent. George, at scale, we're, we're looking, from, from your business perspective, I'm, I'm looking at here auto trader numbers, are saying that the average new car price in 2018 was £39,038. Uh, it's gone up 43% since then, so in, in, in five years. Is, is that having any impact uh, across the business in, in terms of the way consumers are approaching the market when they get there and see that the headline price has gone the way that almost like house prices have gone? Um, so there's a lot of nuance behind that number. Um, so we, we've had a look at it and I, I think look, there's, there's, there's three, there, there seem to be three uh, forces at play or three dynamics at play. One, there has been some inflation uh, in pricing. So if you look at a similar cap code this year to three years ago, it's up, it's up an amount. You've then got PCP, which is the compound effect of that, and then the increase in interest rates. Um, and then you've got a, a massive shift in mix. 
So in the last couple of years, it's been high-end vehicles that are being sold. So that number of 44 or whatever it was includes all of those dynamics in there. Our, in terms of the weighting, the biggest uh, mover um, for us in terms of the quantum has been the mix. So it's been availability of product and, and, and it's been at the high end. Um, Net-net, the, the, the PCP piece is quite interesting too. So there are some consumers who are coming back in at the more entry level of the more premium brands that are surprised at what the monthly cost of staying in that brand is. At the other end, it seems to be, oh, okay, that's sort of what, what you have to pay today. Um, so I think there will be, uh, and I think that 17% reduction in pure retail market is a bit of a signal that there are people coming out of that new car market, maybe going into used or trading into other brands because they can't, they can't continue to afford um, to be in the more premium brands. Mm. And, and how does, I mean, Nathan, you, you, you're, you're focusing on one brand, so you've got a, you, know, you haven't perhaps got the portfolio to move from one to another. How does that work in terms of perception as customers coming into the dealership? Something that's, that became really apparent, with, with no disrespect to our legacy, is that the strength of a brand nationally um, can make the world a difference. Uh, you know, so Hyundai, they've got a great portfolio of vehicles. They've got a strong national market share, good brand awareness. Um, so so that, can, that can be a factor in itself. Um, we're, you know, our situation... Is, is one that we can compare to a previous incarnation and, it, and it's really positive at the moment. So the customer is understanding and, and is, will go on the journey with you even though the cost is going up? Absolutely, because there's desire for the products and, and I think that's a, that's a differentiator that we often overlook and, and I guess you know, with a multi-brand perspective you see that um, more apparently from our point of view if you've got um, a, a strong presence on a, on a global stage on a national stage, it counts for an awful lot. You're watching the Auto Retail Network, Auto Live Business Briefing, uh, and with us in the studio today, uh, we're talking about new car market, used car market, EVs is a, a key part of it. We've touched on it a little bit. Um, George, can we cut through some of the, the, the stories and things that are going around at the moment? Some people saying they're not buying EVs for stock. We've seen the Tesla price adjustment. Are, are you still buying EVs for stock or are you reluctantly taking them in for trade-in or is that completely the wrong way of looking at it? Um, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I mean, the point was made that it, it's very model specific. So um, we're um, still, e EV, as Nathan said, is going to be an ongoing phenomenon, whether it's going to be 50%, 30%, nobody really knows. Um, but we are still taking in in used cars for stock EVs that we see as, as selling. Um, we're being more careful about it, um, but um, we're still taking them into stock, yeah. Where does the market go here, Mark, um, in, in, in terms of that? Are the basic dynamics of the market still in place um, to secure that? I mean, you, you talked about the, the two percentages of the 53% and the 200%. It, is that the explanation or is there something more fundamental underneath it? No, I don't think it's anything fundamental. <clears throat> Nathan's made a good point earlier on about the immaturity of the market and how, it, how far it's got to go. So what we've seen so far, I, I guess, in, in EV is uh, re relatively rapid progress over the last few years. You know, so we'll go back two or three years, um, driven by a few things. There's been lots of new model introductions. There's been various things around fuel prices have increased. There's been government announcements. We've got 2030. So lots of things have driven that, that initial increase. And it just needs to settle itself down a little bit. The positive thing about demand being ahead um, 
it, it is, is, is exactly as it sounds, you know, and, and good to hear that inquiry levels are still there. We're seeing similar performances on new. So I don't think structurally anything has broken, but that certainly the used market just needs to work itself through a little bit. There is an adjustment in pricing, of course, and that's probably probably a good thing. Um, you know, we're seeing sort of 37% price difference between EV and a comparable ICE, and for consumers, a lot rules a lot of consumers out. Um, so those things do need to be adjusted. And I think when they're normalised, over the coming months and possibly a couple of years, we'll begin to see better balance in the market, a bit more certainty for, for retailers and for consumers. Um, and then we'll, we'll find a more normal trajectory as the sort of thing we're used to. But I don't think anything's structurally broken, no. And the other thing I would just say is that used EVs don't have to sit on the forecourt. They can be utilised um, service courtesy. It's a great way to introduce people early and softly to a vehicle that are ultimately going to have to choose one day in the future. Um, and you also get to control the SIV a little bit by justifiably depreciating that vehicle. The, th the thing with, with a used car per se, and it's no different for EV, you've got to manage the stand-in value. So, you know, it's, it's very different going out to market to buy a used one versus having one as a part mm. exchange or utilising one on a courtesy fleet. You know, there's the, there are more, more ways um, than one to bring those EVs onto the forecourt and utilise them as a used car. Mike? You've, you've sat patiently and quietly in the corner uh, listening to our discussion today. So with your experience of looking across uh, the industry, there is a transition here, as Mark says. There's, a, there's an adjustment, which I'm sure Nathan kind of swallows and George swallows and goes, adjustment, that's not what I want to hear. That's a loss. Uh, what, what's the kind of the, what's the advice you would say looking across the retail sector? I mean, I think for me, the way that you manage and sell used EVs is the same as you'd manage and sell used ICE vehicles. They're, it's about finding the right car for the right person at the right price. And, and they will undoubtedly find their level. I mean, there's been some you know, packs of, of um, you know, Leafs, for example, that have gone out recently that people are get, getting through really quite well and really quite profitably as the, uh, as the brand's looking to remarket those. I think you sort of stand back. There's a number of challenges with um, with people getting used to electric vehicles. And as you said, Nathan, we can use them as courtesy cars, but we need a, a charging solution. There's also the tax piece behind it as well. Any of the high-end stuff that people bought as a company car that they got in a tax-efficient way, that tax-efficient um, uh, option isn't open to second-hand buyers. So you can't do that anymore. So there's a natural difference um, uh, sitting in there. But no, to, to, my, to my mind, the basics of how you sell um, a used EV is exactly the same as you would stock and manage and sell a, a, a used ICE vehicle. And the other thing we've had with some of the price drops, obviously we've been talking about the, the average new car price increasing significantly and the mix moving towards EVs um, uh, obviously takes that, that price up as well. We have had a significant Tesla price drop in there. And from what I saw from some of the lease companies, the, the, the retail price um, was taken straight off the residual. So the monthly payment to the consumer didn't change. So that obviously impacts the used car market as everybody's reducing their three-year uh, three expectation on the value of those vehicles. Um, and that's, you know, given the fact that they are, or they have had such significant play within the EV space, in the used car sector, there's, there's, there's quite a lot, of, a lot of them around, so it will make quite a difference. So, so let's nail it. Is, there was this chatter around that, that dealers don't want to take EVs in the stock. Is, is that a fact or is that just, you know, because there's so much sort of pub talk and uh, armchair experts about EVs. Is, is that a reality or is it a commercial decision? I think it depends on how many they've got. Um, it's the same way as stocking anything else. If you, you, you've got your, your ideal stock mix that you've worked out based on the demand and what's available, if you are fully stocked with 
um, a certain sort of electric vehicle, you would no more buy it than if you were fully stocked with a Golf um, or anything else. You, you manage your, um, your vehicle stock to keep the right number of vehicles in place so that you get the, get the stock turn to generate the profits and, and reduce. I mean, we're back into a world of depreciation of used cars. We had a couple of years where that wasn't the case, but that's, that's false. That was always going to be a point in time. And the, the reduced supply of new vehicles into used will help keep those prices quite high, particularly in a world where the demand is strong, as Mark said, and also we're getting some of the some of the brands moving out of some of the cheaper vehicle space. So that will either put people into new entrant brands or used cars, again, bolstering that demand. So I don't think you can say, oh, yeah, you know, used EVs are bad. There are undoubtedly some go coming back from auction that aren't selling uh, on first pass through. And that's not a world we've had for a while because cars have been in that short supply. Everything's been selling. So we are getting back into that. But I don't th I think it's far too general to say, oh, people aren't buying EVs, don't buy them. That's, um, yeah, that, that's not what I'm seeing the better retailers take a, a sort of blanket um, uh, view on. Cobblers, I think, is probably the word you're looking for there. And don't believe everything you read on Twitter is, uh, is equally uh, supports that. If you've got a view or a comment or a question uh, for the panel, uh, please feel free. You can type it in the uh, dialog box in the webinar now, or you can uh, post it on Twitter with the hashtag ARMLive. Let's take a look at March. So, you know, what are we now? 21st of March, um, first quarter, really important. Nathan. Many 23 plates um, going around Barnstable and Titherton? Certainly more than we used to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's going to be a strong quarter for us, mainly because we've got availability, we've got stock on the ground around us, and even where pipeline orders have fallen off, there's always a solution, another customer for that vehicle. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a positive quarter as far as we're concerned, certainly. George? Bigger picture um, in, in terms, because obviously I guess you're managing multiple business fleet and the rest of it. Is, is, is lots of 23 plates moving out of Inchicate retailers? Broadly the same, yeah. Any, any areas where it's not quite as happy? And I'd always ask that question when I was a <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you It can't all be, presumably, everything can't all be rosy in the, in the kitchen. <clears throat> it's, it's pretty solid. Um, I, I think I'd contextualise that as we sort of moved out of 2022 and there was all the sort of macro noise. We, you know, we planned for a solid 2023 because you do as a business, but we were equally concerned that it could be fairly challenging. Mm. And I would say we're in, we're in that solid space. It's not 2022 um, in terms of pricing, but it is, it's better than that in terms of volume. So we're, we're, we're feeling pretty confident about Q1. Yeah. Can I ask the M question? You obviously you have uh, Mercedes um, in your portfolio. This is not an agency discussion. So today's webinar is not about agency, but it's a, a fair question to ask in terms of because you have a spread across your um, portfolio. Um, how's, how's, how's that looking in 23 plate territory? So um, for us, our Mercedes order take is up on March last year. Um, uh, so I think that that reflects some of the steps they've taken um, and the, the strength of the brand so uh, for us, Mercedes is doing okay. And generally with brand partners, because we, 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 we talked a lot last year about chip shortage, it was a reality in, in various forms. Is that no longer an issue? Um, and is supply really now down to what the manufacturer wants to produce? Or are there still constraints that you're being um, told about? Um, we're not being told about specific constraints. There's an order bank that they need to fulfill. So I think we're, 
certainly not at the stage yet where there's overproduction because there's that there's that lag to to fill but we're not being warned or uh, or told of reductions in supply um whether the overall system has rebalanced itself to operate at a at a lower overall volume than traditionally we're not privy privy to that information but um we're certainly not in the space we were in 21 and 22 where we didn't really know what was coming when and the order you know the the wait time was 12 to 12 to 12 to 18 months for some for some models mm. and, and you mentioned nathan that, the, that actually over the course of this you know challenging last couple of years consumers uh, customers have been understanding and recognizing that change and does that make it easier sort of to, to, to move back towards a less supply constrained market? It does, undoubtedly. I mean, initially, the, you know, we're a society that, that's used to on-demand fulfillment. And, and so to be able to buy a car three or four years ago, the expectation was that it was delivered within 10 days. Um, and to move away from that immediately was quite a, a difficult situation. But like anything, you, you know, it's communication, it's, it's system changes, and, and it's, a, it's a process of evolution. And, and it's landed in quite a comfortable position at the moment. I think you could argue that it makes buying a new car more special experience than it was before. Um, but equally, just to echo some of the comments, I think um, there's clearly a period of change globally um, and in terms of, of supply and, and the way those vehicles reach the end user. There's a, there's a much bigger period of shakeout, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think I think it would be a mistake to to look at today and think this is how it's going to be. There's there's a lot more change coming, in my opinion. Mike, can you give us a give us a European perspective? I know we're you know Brexit, etc. You know, Britain and is not part of the EU, but it's still a European market. Where is the UK in the context of the European uh, market? Still very much part of the big five. Still a very important market within Europe for um, uh, for the retailers. I think we're still ahead of France. Um, uh, from a registration point of view, um, even at the sort of depressed levels that that we uh, that we're at from a historic um, uh, standpoint, so no, we're we're clearly uh, from a um, a sales point of view important. As we're seeing an awful lot in the press, uh, production-wise, maybe not the same. Um, uh, we're as we move into the new rules of origin and all that sort of uh, uh, stuff that we have to deal with um, to be able to export vehicles in the future. That's clearly a very political hot potato but from a demand point of view the cars are still being built with the steering wheel um, uh, on the right hand side and they're still coming over here in, in increasing numbers um, and we are definitely seeing that that production start to ramp up. And, and Mark from the data you, you mentioned a 20% was it 20% growth in uh, people searching and, and looking for does that does that um, give us a, a sense of confidence going forward beyond March into the rest of the year or is it is it false hope that that 20% will translate into cars? No, I, I really think that we are um, we're seeing a, a, an underlying strength. So the, the, the headlines we read are one thing, but we've seen solid strength all the way through audience, right right the way from you know the back end of last year when we had the mini budget and everything else. The, the platform has still been very robust. When we ask people, when are you planning to buy your car? Are you in market or are you sort of you know just just looking? People are still committed to doing their car research and buying within the next six months. So consumer sentiment is is really solid. And I just add something on the new car piece. Um, you know, we talked earlier on about normality and so on and so forth. And, you know, we are a long, long way from oversupply and the kind of um, the manufacturer activities that we that characterize the new car market before the pandemic. Exactly. Yep. Pre-reg, big discounts, all of those kind of things. You know, those are... Um, 
those are levers available to manufacturers should there be any oversupply pressure or they need to stimulate demand. You know, we're a mile away from that kind of that kind of market. So I would say that there's um, a underlying consumer demand. People are serious about buying their cars. That's great. Good to hear that order take is very solid. And then B, with supply coming back, there's a good balance there. But should things start to, to be more difficult or come under more pressure, then there are lots of things still that the you know, that the manufacturers or whoever can bring into play to kind of rectify that and, and get to back to balance. You I, watch, I, think, I think sometimes in the, in the press we forget that for outside of the London-centric work, world, etc., people need a car. It's a necessity. What car you have is a choice, and how old it is is a choice. And I think you know, some of the rail strikes, etc., have helped hit this home, but people need vehicles. They need a solution for their... For their um, uh, to get their family around, to get themselves around. And sometimes we, we, we sort of forget that, um, particularly when we're looking at some of the mainstream press and, and people who live in the centre of London. Does that, Nathan, does that, that's a fair point, uh, Mike, you made about it, but in terms of tough times, we, we talk about cost of living crisis. It seems that you know, the cost of living crisis is there, but with an increased um, price point of vehicles, there doesn't seem to be a, a problem of people affording to buy cars. It's, it's, what's going on here? Yeah, that does stack up. And it was interesting to hear George say the same sort of thing. Given the macro climate, um, given the way that the UK is teetering on the brink of a recession, technically or otherwise, it's been a surprise to me to find that we've come into quarter one with, with increased interest rates and we're seeing no real downturn in, in demand or conversion. Um, what's going on? I don't really know, to be quite honest with you. It doesn't really make sense, does it? And is that the same across the piece in terms of brands, all, all brands, George? Are you, are you seeing a similar thing or is it an age thing or is there any particular demographic around that? Well, um, demand is still 20% at retail level behind 2019, right? So the, <clears throat> but that may, have, that may be a more normal market. Right. So who, who knows? So, so that retail demand is still down, but we've had two years to get to get used to it. Um, uh, the used car are those people, you know, the used car market, to my mind, even uh, relative to historic benchmarks, looks to be stronger from a demand perspective. So have those people traded down into used cars? Maybe. Uh, so I, I sort of think that we're we're in a stage where you know our expectations are, have been uh, reappraised, redefined. People still need cars for all the reasons we're talking about. There are for those who can't afford what they used to. There are now other ways to get access to that that are still relatively affordable. So the mix has probably changed a bit, but you've still got good demand. For, for transport, for cars, for personal mobility out there. And I think, you know, Nathan said it several times, uh, we, you know, what, we talk about normality. Well, what, what is normality? I think we are probably in a transitory phase, then there'll be another new normality. Um, and this, is, this transition phase is moving into the next iteration. I think, you know, we've had two years of pandemic and no supply, now supply is getting a bit freer and we're all gonna learn a bit. And so far it doesn't seem to be, despite all the noise, um, catastrophic by any stretch of the imagination. It seems to be a, a still a reasonably healthy market to operate in. We're not as profitable as we were last year, let's be clear. So um, that piece is, you know, that piece, uh, but we're still in a good place compared to, compared to where, you know, there might have been years ago. 
Could I ask you, just from a retailer perspective, whether you think the bit that's come off the new car uh, registrations and sales data is the stuff that was almost being forced into the market? You know, registrations, new car regs are down 20%, which is kind of the order of the push, it feels to me. And I wonder whether we're at a, a, more, um, a, a more sustainable balance, possibly. And this is, this is the, where it might have been if there wasn't that push. So, what, what's the view? So, so I, I think that was the case last year in right. 21 and 22. So if you looked at the retail market in 21 and 22, pure retail, it was, it was okay. Uh, and it was all about fleet, motability, demo being down. That's slightly different now. The fleet market is up double digit. Um, motability is up double, double digit. So whether that's back order just yeah. now because for supply is freed up, I don't, I don't know. I can't judge. But it is those elements of the market now that seem to be bouncing back a bit. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, that, that's the, you know, I think that retail piece has been relatively solid through, through, um, through the period. It's not endured the decline of the other parts of the market. From your perspective, Nathan, is that, does, that, does that reflect from what you see? Yeah, and I was just going to say as well, you can never, behind the data, you've always got to remember that buying a new car is still a pleasurable experience. It's still an emotive, you know, people enjoy buying things. Um, and, and you could argue that there's less enjoyment, there's less, you know, fulfillment in the world at the moment, and maybe buying a, buying a new car is, is, a, is a piece of that um, tradition that people still cling on to. Um, as far as the statistics and data go, I think, you know, there's always, there's always an element of the way it's used and presented, um, you know, the accuracy of, of registration data. I mean, retail registrations that end with a customer using the car aren't the only retail registration types that, r that run through our channels as a retailer. So it's very difficult to, to get to the bottom of the data with any accuracy. This is the business briefing, uh, our first of 2023, uh, looking at the issues affecting your business uh, in retail. Um, we've talked around new market, used market, um, electric vehicles after sales um, is another key theme that, that's emerged. Mike, you perhaps um, and, and, and through your previous business have been sort of the, the watcher of, of um, overhead absorption through um, uh, looking at it. But three years of subdued new car sales equals less cars in for service. Can we really rely on those cars to provide that overhead absorption or do we need to change the business model? I think the business model continually evolves and I think actually the switch to agency is potentially making used cars and after sales more important to um, uh, to, to, to paying for the overheads. And I think you know overhead absorption was um, phenomenally high as we went through, partly assisted by the government picking up the rates bill and, and, and things like that and, and as being able to be even more efficient with the technicians. It did take a drop last year, um, uh, undoubtedly, and it's been balanced out in an overall profitability point of view by the, the strength of new and, and used, certainly for the first half of the year. Um, so we still need to be focusing on it. I think we need to further investigate and think about what we're doing with regards to electric vehicle servicing, electric vehicle pricing, we were talking about it um, uh, before we, we start on the, the bulletin, sort of making sure that, that we're getting better at selling tyres. Tyres are very high use with electric vehicles. They're heavier um, uh, and, and people um, you know, can accelerate quicker with them. So that, that's the one area that does give us a big area of opportunity in the future. I've spent 20 years trying to work with retailers on how they better sell tyres to customers and um, not had a whole heap of success so far. But it is one thing that we need to... Um, uh, Nothing the, if not persistent, Mike. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I've been trying my best, but 
you know, somebody better than me will find a way of uh, of solving it. So I think as we move forwards into the, sort of the, the electric and connected world, I think retention of customers will be greater. I think we'll have a much higher retention period, potentially for a longer period of time. I and mean, one of the reasons why um, uh, the brands have been looking at going agency is to try and keep hold of that vehicle for more than one customer life. Um, and so if we can tie the customers in and keep those vehicles within the, the franchise network for longer, that provides us with an, with an opportunity um, clearly, there are some some downsides as we move to electric. But no, I'm I'm still going to be monitoring uh, overhead absorption because we still need to pay for the buildings, and we've still got to find a business model that that, that stacks overall. Mm. Interesting tires. Um, I suppose the, the the challenge for that is that we've become used. I mean, George uh, George Ashford, chief exec of Inchcape Retail, is 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 the franchise dealer the first port of call you think of? Or have we become conditioned to think of fast fit, uh, independent, uh, and and others? And and is that a market that, as as Mike says, you know, it's important to attack? You're talking in the context specifically of tyres. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, we still we still do very very well in that one to three year old and and then on to five year old park. So I think um, the branded. Uh, after sales proposition is still very, very relevant and the first port of call for that um, population. I think then once you get beyond that period, there there's a little bit more price sensitivity, et cetera. Mm. Um, and that's when those uh, fast fit options start to be considered by the consumer. We try very hard, as Mike says, to, to um, offer tires uh, as part of our after sales service. We do pretty well in terms of penetration, so I think there's still that um, respect for the, you know, the, the technician and the whole branded experience in, in, um, in the franchise world. Nathan, Nathan Tonneson, owner of Devonshire Motors. Um, you, you, we, we see the opportunity there for, for other, perhaps non-traditional, what you wouldn't expect to go to your uh, franchise retailer for. I think it was Lookers, I read recently, were talking about going after cosmetic repairs, probably outside the three-plus-year-old um, market. Is that something you're looking into and looking for other, other routes? Yeah, so, so similarly to Mike, actually, I've also spent 20 years trying to optimise um, process within after-sales um, particularly. Um, I think the better question is, why are we in a position where we're expecting it to be the customer's action? that creates the opportunity for us to sell a tyre. The, the better question is, why aren't we retaining customers to deliver all those services seamlessly across a 12-month ownership period, for argument's sake? Um, to take the point of EV specifically and, and the future of after-sales, while we might certainly see a decline in repair times, we've seen a, declare, a, a decline in repair times before, that's, that's not unusual. Mm. There's always plenty of opportunity in after-sales. The, the difficulty we face as retailers is um, maximising that opportunity, un understanding the opportunity, slowing that situation down. It's a very fast-paced environment in after-sales. Jobs are in and out in an hour. Um, to optimise a one-hour job time with a lot of noise going on around you is a very, very difficult thing how to do master. You, how do you do it? Sorry to put you on the spot. I, I'm 20 years down the line, I still don't know. <laughs> Mike, is, it, is, is there a way of, of the business model changing and, and making it a, a, a bigger part and a more profitable part of the business than it is at the moment? Oh, absolutely. And it, it will continue to evolve. I mean, we've seen various different concepts um, uh, out there 
um, uh, as we look at sort of um, uh, multi-brand service options and, and and people will get better. I mean, I, I agree completely with, with Nathan. The you know most um, most customers don't, or a lot of customers don't check their tyres, um, and so having the the, the prompt from um, whether it is their uh, manufacturer branded app on their phone or their retailer or somewhere else to say that their tyres need looking at or investigating, having them um, uh, having them come by. I know periodically when I um, uh, park up my um, uh, Mrs. Tesla, there'll be a Tesla tech there and he'll wander around and he'll just check all the tyres that are on the charge base, um, sitting charging at the test shop and then they'll they'll use that to um, uh, to sell from. But actually working with the customer when they want to or, or to give them a, an added service that benefits them rather than them feel that we are trying to sell to them um, I think will further build that trust and loyalty that George was talking about and the fact that we we understand um, uh, what we're talking about then they people will continue to buy from us if you don't go to bed tonight thinking of Mike Jones talking about tires, then there's something something has failed in this webinar. So no, no, great, great point. Um, Jamie Pearson from See It Now. Hello, Jamie. Uh, thanks for your question. What's the panel's approach to part exchanges? We've touched this a little, particularly for brands that have seen falling market share. Mark Palmer from Auto Trader. What's your your thoughts on that? We'll come to George. You're, uh, sorry, can I repeat the question now? What, what's the panel's approach? Um, <laughs> don't worry, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Really. Oh, right, right. Um, nice to what, what's, <laughs> what's the panel's approach, for, particularly for brands that have seen falling market share? Are they, are they attractive in terms of taking as part exchanges? Uh, I'm going to skip forward to the question you'll ask us at the end, which is what's the one thing we'd advise people to do, I guess? Um, <laughs> it, the market is in a huge state of change, but what we do know, of course, is that we've got a, a period of demand, a period of undersupply, and we've got cars selling fast. Where there's stock, there's sales. Now, when you're taking in part exchanges, the advice would be follow, follow the data. In any of these scenarios, mm. more so than last year, the year before, the year before, because of the amount of change. So that's what I would say, that there are, I mean, the guys will advise, um, <clears throat> give better advice than me, but for anyone who's unsure about what's going on with the state of the market, that is the first thing to do, and to do it every single time. George? By right, you know, so um, we've got masses of uh, data in the UK market. Um, so, you know, if you can buy the car right, you'll sell it right. Uh, and, you know, so that rule applies to any trade-in purchase that we do, uh, irrespective. So I think keeping, keeping, as Mike says, to those fundamentals and the basics and letting the data, data do the talking. Um, and then, you know, um, you should buy right. Retail is fundamentally about buying and selling, and, and if, if the money's right on the way in, it'll be yeah. right on the way out. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you steer clear of anything, uh, Nathan, or will you take anything? So, <laughs> I haven't got something in the car. Yeah, right. Right. Wow. <laughs> now that's a question. <laughs> so what I try to, to keep in mind always is forget four wheels, a, a body type and a steering wheel. It's a commodity. First and foremost, a used car is a commodity, and then that commodity will be backed somewhere by data. So, you know, key is to take the emotion out of a decision, um, recognize the fact that you're dealing with an asset class, if you like, apply some data to your decision, a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit, by all means. Um, it, it's like Mike was saying earlier, it's the, same, it's the same game it's always been. Another question um, about new technology in electric vehicles. George, probably for you, are they attracting more warranty work? than ICE vehicles? And if so, is, is that going to last as a revenue stream? I'm just not qualified to answer that question, sorry. Oh. I mean, we look, um, 
we're getting uh, EVs coming back into the workshop um, uh, at a reasonable frequency, but we're not seeing sort of you know something that I would call out as a as a major consistent issue that we have to sort of escalate. Um, so whether it, I mean I can only assume it will get better. It's like everything: the more people do, the better they get. The better they get at it. It's not a massive issue for us at the moment. Right. We've covered a lot of ground here today on the uh, Auto Retail Live uh, business briefing in association with Auto Trader. As is now our tradition, uh, we'll have a quick tour of our panel um, for a final practical tip to take away uh, from this conversation. Mike Jones from Fresh Tracks, I'm going to start with you. And if it doesn't involve tyres, I'll be very disappointed. But uh, Well, I, I think I've maybe done tyres to death. So um, <laughs> I was going to return back to, to, to used cars. And... Um, with the, the reduction in supply um, that we've seen, the reduction in new vehicles and the increased demand, I think people have got to get even more um, proactive in buying. Now, whether that's through the part exchange route, making sure, uh, as the brands do their agency direct sales, making sure that they are fully um, inserted into that part X discussion. I was in a meeting with um, a couple of different retailers from the same brand, uh, decent sized groups. Um, uh, last week, one of them had seen their uh, part exchange percentage go down to 30%. One of them was at 70%. Now, same brands, same customers, different processes that they were applying. And I think as we go further forwards, if we are going to still live at this um, uh, sort of 1.8 uh, maybe million uh, market, and we've got the 2 million cars that didn't uh, get registered in the first place, we need to get more creative at buying the used cars. So I would say, look at the processes, manage them, um, and do what you can to try and get hold of the what will be short used car, uh, used car supply of stock. Nathan, owner of Devonshire Motors, what's your practical tip to take away? I'm gonna do two really quickly. Number one is operating expenses. For the first time this year, we've seen a scenario where external influence uh, globally has affected commodity prices and it's had a strong effect on on bottom line specifically electricity gas so I think to have a plan to get forensic in that area which is something we don't traditionally do as retailers um, that would be number one the other thing I would say and it's it, it covers everything we've talked about today is you can't be a retention strategy and the recognition that that should be both physical and digital so not, not only have you got to have the products in place to keep customers coming back regularly to make the most of the opportunity and to create the future opportunity, but you've also got to have the right data, you've got to use the data correctly at the right times to maximise the, the, a two-pronged approach. Buy right, check the bills, keep in touch. George Ashford, Chief Executive, Inchcape Retail. So, I mean, this is, a, this is a truism, but I think given the tightness of the labour market at the moment, uh, it's even more important than it's ever been, and look after your people. Um, they've got to, you know, they they make the difference, and uh, so yeah, look after your people. Mark Palmer, also a trader. I think I've already answered the question, but I would say focus on the data, skill up, and make sure you're ready. And if you've got someone in your business that that knows the data, then make sure you you keep hold of them. That's a great point. Well, thank you very much for your contributions, for joining us uh, this afternoon, uh, for your questions and comments, and on behalf of Tristan Young, our editor. Uh, this has been the Auto Retail Live business briefing in association with Auto Trader. And good luck in the spring of 2023 in the showroom.